Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and today we are going to be discussing how to level up your game in Magic. But before we begin, let's get a little word from our sponsors who help keep the lights on the show. This episode is featured on LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com not only has some really well-written articles but also offers free shipping on all orders over $2 or more. Ever get tired of going to other sites and just have to buy some cheap singles and shipping costs more than what you're buying? No more. Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at LegitMTG.com. This week's episode is also brought to you by Horizon Datasys, makers of Rollback RX. Do you ever wish you could take your PC back in time and restore to a pristine state? Rollback RX not only allows you to bring your machine back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Datasys doesn't tend to discount their product often as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars in recovering your PC, but for listeners of Magic Gazoobie, they provided us an exclusive discount. Visit HT https colon slash slash goo.gl slash capital d i capital b v a capital f for a 25 percent discount off rollback rx and as usual i always <clears throat> make sure to tweet out that link and last but not least we have a new sponsor with us starting today and it is five color combo five color combo is a great resource to find custom tokens play mats or other accessories learn more about magic the gathering and keep up with the latest news and strategies they've also developed the premier app for getting better at limited called magic drafter go to fivecolorcombo.com today or click on the links in the description to check it out so What's cool, like I said, they're a new sponsor. If you haven't heard, I think it's, I think Magic Drafter is also on Android too. Um, Magic Drafter is a really cool limited drafting app. It's probably one of it's. I gotta say, it's probably the best one that I've used because I've used quite a few. And what's really cool because some of the ones that I've used in the past will have you pay to draft certain sets, like especially newer sets. And it's always a pain in the butt. Like, I know there was one I used to use a lot that, you know, I, I would always have to draft the set previous. Like, if cons is out, I could only draft Theros. I'd have to pay, you know, five bucks or something like that to be able to unlock Theros, which is ridiculous. What's cool about Magic Drafter is when I download it right now, um, they have the latest set, Shadows over Innistrad. They, they do put a paywall behind... Um, eternal masters but you know it's only 99 cents if you really want to draft it on the app it's 99 cents that's nothing and they also have cube drafting on here they have sealed drafting and what's cool is once you draft you can build your deck and also just you know export it from there and see what is really cool and you know not not only see what's really cool about what you drafted but it'll help you for that fnm or that tournament that's coming up so I just want to say welcome, Five Color Combo, to being a sponsor of Magic with Zuby. Really awesome to have you on. Uh, to end with, the Magic with Zuby podcast can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, MTGCast.com. If you wish to email Magic with Zuby, send us a message at MTGZuby at gmail.com. Magic with Zuby is also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Magic with Zuby, as well as Twitter at Magic with Zuby. So let's get on with the intro. Where did my episode summary go? Oh my god. 
Why am I not ready for this? Why am I not ready for this? Oh, okay, here we go. So I went to FNM just this past Friday, which by the time you hear this, because I release my episodes every Friday, so by the time you hear this, it will be last Friday. <laughs> Anyways, so I went to FNM Friday and drafted Shadows of Innistrad. And I have to say, I drafted a really fun deck. In the end, I went two and two. The games, the matches that I lost were extremely close matches. Like they weren't, they weren't really one-sided matches. There may have been one match that was pretty one-sided because I got mana flooded bad, but it was still really fun. Even the matches that I lost because it was just really close. So. Oh, I'm trying to remember what my first pick was. I did Azorius, which is blue-white. Oh, what was my first pick? Um, I know my first pick, the rare that I had, was Port Town. Surprisingly, I wasn't... Because, you know, why would you pick a rare land as your first pick? Unless you really wanted it. And the t and the lands in this set aren't very expensive at all. So what was my first pick? And I'm trying to remember. Um, do, 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 this makes oh okay that's right so i don't remember all the contents of my pack and i just remember not really seeing a lot that was worth it if i remember correctly i think my first pick was Stitchwing scab or scabe which is three colorless and a blue it's a zombie horror flying you pay one and a blue discard two cards return Stitchwing scab from your graveyard to the battlefield tap so it has some recursion, at least. It's a 3-1 flyer. Um, probably not the greatest first pick, but the deck that I ended up building was really cool. I'm just going to name off um, what was in my deck, the main board. I'm not going to read off every single card. Uh, I'll, I'll give a little... Well, no, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J just listen. All right. Aberrant Researcher. The, these are the creatures. Aberrant Researchers, which is, they, which is the more buffed-up Delver of Secrets, Dauntless Cathar, Drown Yard Explorers, Erdwall Illuminator was an early pick. Inquisitor's Ox, eh, I wasn't happy about that one. Inspiring Captain, I still love Inspiring Captain. He's such a good, he, he's he's just won me so many games. Manic Scribe, Moreland Drifter, Niblis of Dusk, um, Silberlin Snapper. Oops, I accidentally put this as main board. I meant to put this as sideboard. Because I only put in Silberlin Snapper for, I guess, I guess just mainly for a turtle. Well, he is a turtle. Just mainly as a wall because he's 6-6 six, six for 6. But he can't attack unless you cast a non-creature spell this turn. And I mainly used him as a wall whenever I got him out. A Silent Observer, which was more of a flying wall. Spectral Shepherd. Stitchwing Sca Scabe or Scab. Humble the Brute. Jace's Scrutiny. Just the Wind, Puncturing Light, Islands, Plains, and I got a Warped Landscape. That was more later on. Then Angelic Purge, Gone Missing, Press for Answers, Fleeting Memories, Group Spoon, Vessel of Ephema. If anyone is listening and knows the, know those cards by heart, like I said, I don't feel like listing what each and every single one is. Basically, my deck was a Control Mill deck. And... Normally, Control Mill is not a very good draft archetype, but I was able to usually lock down games pretty decently to where I would make them constantly mill due to fleeting memories, 
which is, you know, what it enters the battlefield, investigate. It's an enchantment. And whenever you sacrifice a clue, target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So <clears throat> I not only generate a lot of clues, thanks to Erdwall Illuminator, which allows you to get two clues for each time you investigate the first time each turn. And in another piece to the puzzle was Manic Scribe, which when it enters the battlefield, opponent mills the top three cards of their library. And at the begin and if you have delirium, then at the beginning of your opponent's upkeep, they mill the top three cards of their library as well. So <clears throat> games usually went on pretty long, it but it was a lot of fun. Um first time I ever draft drafted something like that, it feels like lately I've been drafting nothing but white. And I did try to make Jeskai work the week before, but it didn't work out very well. And it was, I don't know, it was just really fun. And it felt like for the first time that I kind of knew what I was doing for once in draft because, I don't know. And I have to say what really helped me was that day, the day before FNM, I was actually drafting on the Magic Drafter from Five Color Combo and doing some bathroom drafts, which you can imagine what that is, and just trying to build just trying to build a deck really quick and play test it on there. So that was my FNM. Like I said, I went two and two at the end of the night and the last round was super close. We w went to game three and it was just one of those. I think I was what one or two points away from killing my opponent and he just overpowered me. I, he was playing red, black, I think it was like a red-black aggro deck. It, it was had vampires in it, but yeah, it was basically red-black vampires. It was pretty good. And um, yeah, so that was, like I said, that was pretty fun. We have Eldritch Moon coming up. And what's really cool is some of the spoilers that have come out. It's I am actually really excited about this set. I'm I'm actually more excited about it than I was with Shadows of Renistrad. I think because the flavor of the set, there's so many cards that are doing throwbacks to the original Innistrad, and it it's just gotten me excited. A, a lot of the art is really awesome. I mean, how can you hate the card Lupine Prototype, which is the wolf robot? I mean, it costs two. It's a five-five. Lupin prototype can attack or block unless a player has no cards in hand. You know, you draft that, you find out ways to discard your hand, and you have a 5-5 five five really early on, and that's scary. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that would suck about that is having people get murder. And they've reprinted murder, which is awesome. It feels like we've gone full circle here in standard, because murder was in the original Innistrad. Murder is one colorless, two black, instant destroy target creature. So we went from having murder in the original Innistrad, and then when Innistrad rotated out, we got Hero's Downfall, which came out in Theros, which was <clears throat> one colorless, two black, which was an instant destroy target creature or planeswalker. And now... When Theros rotated out, we had Ruinous Path, which is one colorless, two black, destroy target creature or planeswalker, but it is a sorcery, not instant speed. So it feels like we've kind of gone full circle here in Standard, and I'm excited about it. It feels like, finally, black has some good instant removal. Now, the instant removal that black has right now is 
excuse me, grasp of darkness, which, you know, gives target creature negative four, negative four, but that doesn't kill everything. You know, it really helps getting you that much closer to killing it, but it doesn't kill a five, five, you know, <clears throat> and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's really good. I'm excited to have it. Um, some of the other cards that look really neat, uh, in Eldritch Moon, um, I love the art for Prey Upon, where Prey Upon is target creature you control, fights target creature you don't control. And I love the art of it because it has the wolf or the werewolf from the original Innistrad fighting one of the mutated Emrakul wolves. And as we all know, Emrakul's back. And what was also revealed, I think it was revealed on Friday, was a new Planeswalker in the set, Tamio. Tamio Field Researcher, and my gosh, is this Planeswalker seem really, really, really good. Let me just read what it does, because I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna get back into standard and sleeve up uh Bant Company again. I, I can already see myself doing it. Because Tamio is a one colorless, one green, one white, one blue, which is Bant's colors, and she starts with four loyalty counters. Her plus one is choose up to two target creatures until your next turn. Whenever either of those creatures deals combat damage, you draw a card. Holy crap. Usually it will say something you have to deal combat damage to a player, but since it says just deal combat damage, doesn't even matter if those creatures are blocked, you still draw a card. That's ridiculously good. That's the blue part right there. Or, yeah, I guess it'd be blue. Or maybe the green part. I don't know. Just whatever. It, it She seems more blue than anything. Um, her negative two is tap up to two target non-land permanents. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step. And that's good. You have a bit of a wall that's blocking you. Boom, do her negative two. And you've just cleared the way to get your creatures to kill hers. Or kill her, not kill hers, but kill theirs. Yeah. Um... Her ultimate, negative seven, draw three cards. You get an emblem with you may cast non-land cards from your hand without paying their mana cost. What? What's what's that one blue card that omnipotent? Omnipotent? I don't know how to pronounce this. Um, omniscience? An, an, omniscience? Omniscience? Yeah. If you couldn't tell, I'm really bad at pronouncing things. <clears throat> so, it's basically, you get an emblem with unip, omnis, omnis, uh, I, I can't say this word. Why can't I fucking say it? Omniscience. Omnis, uh, omniscience. Whatever. Ah, I can't pronounce it. Alright, I'm going to stop. Which was, you may cast non-land cards from your hand without paying their mana cost. Okay. You basically, I mean, you haven't exactly won the game. But you're you you no longer have to pay for counter spells, um, destruction spells, none of that. You're just like, oh, boom. I don't have to pay any mana. All I got to do is pay mana for my creatures. You're done, son. Um, and one of the other cards that I can't believe they printed this card. It's honestly bonkers. And I'm excited to see what it does in standard, but also a little afraid that it's gonna, it may warp standard. And for people listening, they may know what I'm talking about. And that is Eldritch Evolution, which is one colorless double green. 
as an additional it's a sorcery as an additional cost to cast eldritch evolution sacrifice a creature search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost x or less where x is two plus the sacrifice sacrifice creatures converted mana cost put that card onto the battlefield and then shuffle your library exile eldritch evolution so that is basically a neutered natural order which if you don't know what natural order is Natural Order was printed very early on in Magic's lifespan, life cycle. Um, Natural Order was too colorless, too green. Search your deck for a green summon creature and put that card into play. Treat it as though you just played it from your hand. Then put one of your green creatures into your discard pile. Shuffle your deck afterwards. Okay, so that's the old Oracle text of it. Because I'm looking at the Portal version. And what's... What's different about Eldritch Evolution compared to Natural Order is you exile Eldritch Evolution when you're done. With Natural Order, you'd put that into your graveyard so you can get it back out of your graveyard if you wanted to. With And there is a difference where you can't just get any creature you want. It's, it's what the converted mana costs. X or less where X is 2 plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana costs. So you could... Let's see. So you could um, sacrifice, I don't know, an eight power creature and you could go get Ulamog out. You know, I mean, there, there's just so many, so many crazy concoctions you can come up with this card. Um, I'm not going to name them all because I don't know them all. I mean, I saw the pretty popular one where you, what, turn one land and Birds of Paradise or Noble Hierarch, turn two land and then you put out Allosaurus Rider. You, you discard two cards from your hand to put it out. And then you play Eldritch Evolution, get rid of Allosaurus Rider, and put, what, Iona or something? Or was it Iona? Yeah. By turn two. And, you know, there's going to be, while while that could be considered a bad combo because you need the perfect god hand for it, you, I mean, there's going to be someone that's going to bust this card up. I'm not sure exactly what it'll do in standard right now. I think it's a really good tool for ramp, which is, jeez, oh, I don't even know, man. It's just ridiculous. Uh, it it makes me excited because I hope it, I hope it shakes things up enough to where green white tokens and bank company aren't the dominant decks. I I mean, the downside is it is a green card. I mean, that that is a very green ability that Eldritch Evolution does, but it's a green card. And, I mean, green-white are super pow powerful enough as it is right now. But we'll see. Like I said, there's, there have been some really cool tools for ramp. Eldritch Evolution is one of them. And then there's that other... Oh, where is it? There's been another one. I think it was an enchantment. Uh, I'd have to find it been using a different website for spoilers let me see if i can find it here there was a different one that i really liked that looked good for ramp do do oh you may hear explosions in the back and that is because there are people shooting off fireworks um i thought i saw it was like an enchantment where is it oh of course because i can't read that oh here we go 
Influence of Emrakul. It's two colorless, two green. Every time you cast an Eldrazi creature spell with converted mana cost higher than or equal to seven, draw two cards. So you play that by turn three, turn four. Um, start ramping up your mana, and you play World Breaker. Oh, you draw two cards, because that has always been one of the weaknesses to ramp to where, <clears throat> you know, you just, there's really no good card draw engines, and you're just really, really relying on what you draw you know if you you know you do have sanctum of ugin but if you don't draw a single sanctum of ugin that whole time you can't crack it to go search for an ulamog or a kozilek or an emrakul or a world breaker or whatever you're playing you know that's just one of that's one of the biggest downsides that i've noticed with ramp and who knows maybe that'll make ramp better i mean i'm definitely gonna try it out that influence of emrakul to see if it makes ramp any better but i think i'm maybe sticking with band company i'm probably gonna sleeve that up again and see how it does <clears throat> some of the other interesting cards that i've noticed um as far as playing wise oh they reprinted donate but in a different color harmless offering which everybody is quickly saying that's probably the cutest art of magic with the little kitty that has sort of it's sort of mutating a little bit, but it's just so cute. Um, basically, Harmless Offering is two colorless and a red. Target opponent gains control of target permanent you control. It's a it's a reprinted donate, but in a different color, pretty much. It does the exact same thing, which I still have a donate. That was one of my first foil rares that I got when I was a kid. I don't know, it just brings back memories. Um, let me see what else is there that looks pretty cool. Uh, do, 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 do. Nothing else really jumps out at me. I mean, you choose. Oh, that's right. Uh, Distended Mindbender seemed pretty crazy. Now, I don't know, you know, this, this could almost be... A decent ramp card it costs eight i mean you can pay the emerge cost but ramp doesn't usually run black but getting to eight mana is pretty easy in ramp so when you cast distended mindbender target opponent reveals his or her hand you choose from it a non-land card with converted mana cost three or less and a card with converted mana cost four or greater that player discards these cards so that's pretty cool you can get rid of two cards, two of their most powerful spells. And while I said eight is really high, I can even see that being, I mean, that's definitely a good pick on limited two. Um, you just got to make sure to, well, getting to eight is pretty tough on limited two. I don't know. Well, I would definitely pick it and try it out. And then again, I'm not the greatest um, limited player. Even though I am trying, I've been playing a lot more limited lately to try to, you know, get my get myself back up there. All right. Um, let me see. Uh, oh, this one. Well, this one doesn't give them haste, but this is sort of a nerfed Craterhoof Behemoth, the Decimator of the Provinces. It costs ten mana, just ten gen general, not general, generic. Mana, when you cast a Decimator of the Provinces, creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and gain Trample until end of turn, and it has Trample and Haste. It's a 7-7. Seven, seven. So yeah, it's sort of like a nerfed uh, Crater Hoof Behemoth. That's pretty cool. 
I'd probably I'd probably take that and limit it as well. Um, yeah, I can't. Well, as far as right now, as far as spoilers go, by the time this comes out, there's going to be a lot more spoilers out. And Mark Rosewater just teased something that tomorrow's spoiler or Monday, July 4th spoiler, which is America Day, is <clears throat> when he they're I guess, supposedly they're coming out with a card that has been asked about and demanded. I mean, not demanded, but really, really excited about releasing a new card. Um, so we'll see what that is, you know, um, all right. So I wanted to also discuss Kaladesh for a little bit. Kaladesh is the newest magic set that is coming out this September. When that comes out, dragons of Tarkir and magic origins will rotate out of standard and Kaladesh is, yeah, that's Chandra's home plane. I almost said home planet, but plane, you know. Because they're planeswalkers, haha. Um, but it looks it looks really cool. It's I just wanted to bring it up. They had a new, I guess like a new cover art that came out, and it had like some elephants on there, some thopters. It had P and Kieran just overlooking the city of I guess Kaladesh, or I don't know if that's if that's what the city's called or or what. But it just looked really really good, and I'm just hoping. I mean, since it is an artifact plane. I'm just really hoping that blue red artifacts becomes a thing again. Hopefully, you know, I wouldn't even mind if they reprinted Pia and Kieran Nalar for that set. I mean, I don't see why not. Well, no, I guess they wouldn't because in the origin story of Chandra, her parents are killed, right? Yeah. If her parents are killed. So yeah, they probably, no, they probably won't be in the set themselves, but they have that new planeswalker, that little girl. Uh, I can't remember her name, but you know, who knows? Hopefully I don't know. I'm just excited about it. And you know, I would not mind if they reprinted in soul artifact for that, for that set. So in soul artifact is that one in a blue and you basically enchant target artifact and it becomes a five, five, that there has base toughness, base toughness and power of five, five. And yeah, I loved that card in M15. I love drafting it. I tried to make the insole artifact deck work so well before, like as soon as M15 came out, didn't do well, of course, but when origins came out and gave the deck a lot more utilities. And when Mar Mike Segris got that deck to, you know, second place at one of the pro tours, I was, so pumped and excited. I played that deck for such a long time. Um, it's just really, really fun. So, you know, if there's one reprint that I wish Wizards would do for a Kaladesh, it's Insole Artifact. Please, Wizards, just please indulge me a little bit, you know. So let's talk about the main beef of the topic. Let's talk about the main beef of the topic. Yeah, whatever. I say what I want. Um... So we are going to be discussing how to level up your game in Magic. You know, whether this is just you're trying to become a better competitive player or just a better player altogether. Um, this, some of these topics don't really mention, you know, kitchen table casual play. And while, 
yeah, I, I know the majority of magic players play kitchen table magic, you know, just really casual magic. This is more geared towards different formats such as standard, modern, legacy. I mean, even vintage. I don't play vintage. Um, I mean, you could even apply it to limited, such as draft and sealed and and um, commander as well, if you're doing competitive commander. So one of the things, I mean, a lot of this may seem like common sense, but it's still good to every once in a while bring it up and go over it a little bit to, you know, have your minds refreshed of, okay, this is what I got to do and, you know, just, just get at it. So the first thing we are going to discuss is knowing the format that you are going to play. This goes along hand with knowing the metagame as well. So knowing the format is really important. Um, standard is always going to be constantly rotating, especially now with faster rotations. It's really important to know the card pool. I mean, you don't have to know every single card, but look at look at most recent big tournaments and see what people are playing. Um, and the most popular decks, the tier one, tier two decks, those are going to be the most decks that you'll see at a tournament or F and M. And it's really important to know what they are, know what they do and how to face them. Because what's the one thing that probably Sun Tzu says, Sun Tzu, Sun Tzu, how do you say it? Sun Tzu, know thy enemy or something. Was that Sun Tzu? I don't know. Here we go. A quote. A quote by Sun Tzu. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred bat battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Well, yeah, that's that's a little, you know, over the top. But in a sense, it's true. Because you can take that not only towards magic, but in life as well. You know, if you know the decks you are going to be up against, if you know how they play inside and out, you don't need to fear, oh, what could they be playing next? Yes, magic is a very random game. It has a lot of variance in, to it. But there's also the fact that once you know the decks that your opponents are playing, you know what to expect. You know that, hey, they may have XYZ cards in hand, so I need to make sure to play around it. But if I know for a fact that they don't have XYZ cards, you know, I can just go in and boom, do my thing. So, like I said, I've always feel like that's been one of the biggest things is know thy enemy. Know the format, know the metagame, especially when it comes to standard knowing the metagame. The metagame shifts so rapidly. You know, the metagame at your local FNM is not going to be the same metagame at a PPTQ, an IQ, or an Open, or a Grand Prix, etc. So the best thing that you can do at that to find out what the metagame may be is see the most popular decks. You know, if there's... If you're going to a PPTQ, for instance, or an IQ, I IQs are really good because you can go to StarCityGames.com and figure out, you know, what, what um, at least look at the look at the um tournaments of IQs depending on the format and just see what everybody else is playing in the IQ circuit. And especially if there's a lot of IQs in your area, it may be very excuse me, it may be very similar to what you're going to be facing at that tournament. 
So really prepare for the metagame shift. It changes week by week. You know, it's really, really focus on that. And that brings me to my next point is when practicing for a big tournament, even practicing for FNM, don't be afraid of trial and error. And what I mean by that, it's when you're practicing for games, don't focus on winning. That has been one of my biggest, biggest hurdles of practicing because when I practice, I like to think, oh, you know, as long as I'm winning every single game that I'm practicing with, I'm doing better. No, not necessarily because I need to be able to learn the best plays that I can be doing each time I practice because just because, you know, my opponent may have been playing really subpar while I practice online, or they could have been really, really bad. You know, you just don't know. So you just try to make the best plays as possible. Um, one of the things I like to do is I like to keep hands that I normally wouldn't keep when I'm practicing. You know, if I'm playing, I don't know, green, red ramp and I, pull and my opening hand is two lands two nisses pilgrimages pil pilgrimages uh, i guess that's how you say it two nisses pilgrimages um and you know the rest creatures normally that one that may not be a hand i keep because what if i don't get a third land for a while you know, that would really screw me. But, you know, I would probably keep that in practice to see, all right, well, if I did keep this, what would happen? And, you know, what? half the time it's I, you know, kick myself in the butt and be like, I should have mulliganed. But I've just, I'm just always curious because, you know, what if I did keep this and it turns out to be really, really good for me in the end? Um, one of the things I also like to try is different sideboard and mainboard cards dependent on the meta you may expect to find at that tournament. And, you know, when we'll bring up Bank Company, for instance, let me pull up my Bank Company deck that I have right now. Okay, where is it? Where are you, Bank Company? Bank Company, come here. All right, so Bank Company, you know, some of my sideboard cards. Um, this this is a probably, what, two months old by now? So... I haven't, I haven't played Bank Company in about two months. So it's my sideboard's really, really out of date. Like, I have Hallowed Moonlight, which I don't even think people are really playing now. And, um, you know, so what if I wanted to, instead of Hallowed Moonlight, I wanted to try, uh, I don't know, Plummet. You know, what, what if I don't, what if I don't normally put in Plummet? And, you know, I just wanted to give it a shot, see if it works any better. You know, try that in the sideboard. Or what if, you know, I wanted to not have Dromokus Command on my main board and put in, I don't know, another creature or another instant, you know, or get or planar outbursts. You know, let's try that. You know, see if that works any better. Um, and go from there. Or or instead of Dromokus Command and main board, I want to try Declaration and Stone and main board, have some more removal a better spot removal and see how that goes. You know, don't, like I said, don't be afraid of trial and error. It's, it's the only way you learn that when you try something, see if it fails. You know, I, I use that sort of, um, that sort of thing in life a lot too, especially when it comes to fixing things in it and even trying to fix things in, you know, your house, you know, don't be afraid of, well, I mean, well, well, hold on. Let me, let me preface this. 
it's when I say like I do trial and error at work or at home, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to unplug this cable here and see what happens. Boom. No, I usually have a good idea of what's going to happen when I, you know, unplug that cable or do this or that. It's more of a, it's more of a trying to attack things at all different angles where, okay, well, plan A didn't work. What if I do plan B, which I know it's really generic in saying that, but you just look at it from a different angle and be like, what if I did this? Or what if I do that? What if I did it like this instead? You know, just in, in even though all the other angles of your plan may fail, boom, at least you tried it. So that way, you know, that especially keeping bad hands or putting in certain cards in your sideboard or mainboard didn't work. At least you tried it. So next time you can be like, okay, yeah, I'll make sure not to do that. Um, another thing that, and this sort of goes with knowing thy enemy. And it's one things that, you know, I've heard other players bring up that I've never really thought about doing because when I think about play testing or in getting practicing for a tournament, I think of just playing my deck and understanding my deck and its weaknesses and strengths. But you should also try practicing other decks and archetypes that you're not comfortable with. Um, get, let's give standard for an example here. Say you're playing Blue-Red Eldrazi Control. And that's the only deck you've played the entirety of Shadows of Innistrad standard. Why not play some Green-White Tokens... Uh, Bant Company, Bant Humans, White Weenie, and whatever, Black White Control, and try those decks out. Not to say that you're going to switch over to them completely, because you know, you, you're you so intent on Blue Red Eldrazi Control. But it's really good to play those other decks and understand how to play them and how to win with them as well. Because you may be so used to playing control that, you know, when you're playing, when you yourself play an aggro deck, you're just thinking to yourself, Oh, what, what do I do? I just, Oh, I just got to beat face. Well, playing aggro is not exactly just about beating face. It's about beating face and winning. Of course. I mean, that's every deck, but I mean, there, there's certain lines of play that you have to take when playing aggro, but it's also good playing those decks because you you start to understand your opponent. You start to understand, all right, turn one, play this. Turn two, play that. Turn three, do this. Turn four, do that, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really, it's really, really important, I think, also to, to um, play other decks because not only do you understand what your opponent's doing, but you know what to expect. And you also learn how to win with those kind of decks. You know, it's there's nothing wrong with broadening your horizons in terms of playing different archetypes, archetypes and different decks and magic. And it's um, it, it'll it'll help you in the long run too. You know, maybe if you have plenty of time. I mean, that's one thing a lot of us lack is time. So if you have plenty of time, I'd maybe focus on playing a different deck a week. You know, I mean. It's it'd be a little bit harder to get get all those decks in, you know, for each F and M. But if you've got say if you've got an open coming up or a Grand Prix coming up in a month, you know, start playing different deck a different deck a week to understand how it plays. And well, with standard, it's a little bit tough because by the time you start this little gauntlet of yours, by the time that Grand Prix or open comes out, oh look, standard's completely different and green white tokens has been dethroned and it's Abzan again. 
oh no, how did Siege Rhino get back under standard? Oh no, they reprinted it in Eldritch Moon, and we hate you all. Just kidding. Oh man, what if by the time this episode comes out that they reprinted like a mutated Siege Rhino that does exactly the same thing that original Siege Rhino does, but it's just mutated, which would probably make... I don't know. No, they, they'd probably still figure out a way to... Because green-white is still really good. So they would just splash black for Siege Rhino. Oh, fuck. We've gone full circle. Please, please, by the time that this um, episode comes out, Siege Rhino isn't reprinted. I know it won't be, but my God, could you imagine if it was? What if that's what Mark Rosewater is actually suggesting in that little Tumblr blog talk he did? Where it's like, oh, it's a reprint you're all waiting for. And it's Siege Rhino! Mutated Siege Rhino! Blah, and we just quit magic. Oh, God. I just got myself really sad. I'm I'm kind of nervous about tomorrow's spoiler. What if it's something really terrible? Oh man. Um. All right. So yeah, I, I sort of I sort of sidetracked there. In case anyone doesn't know what Siege Rhino is, I know I've talked about it plenty on the podcast, but I know there's some listeners that aren't fully invested into magic like I am. But Siege Rhino is the one colorless, one white, one black, one green, four five trample when it enters the battlefield. Each opponent loses three life and you gain three life. Yeah, that thing was a pain in the ass in standard for a long time. I even went so far as to play Abzan in standard. I f- figured if I can't beat him, I might as well join him. So the last thing I want to talk about is not getting caught up on your wins and losses, especially when you're practicing. And you need to focus on making the best plays you possibly can each game and each turn. So, you know, like I said before, I've been I've been practicing my Goblin Artifact Explosion deck that um you've heard me talk about before, and I'm trying to I'm really trying to tune it right now. And I was playing a lot of it earlier today, and I noticed that. You know, like most other aggro decks, it's a very explosive deck. So my goal is to kill you as fast as I can, just like Burn or any other aggro deck. So it's it's really interesting seeing the lines of play where I'm like, all right, well, I can do... All right, the player's at 15 life. I can do 14 damage this turn if I do XYZ, but it may not be worth to use all the spells in my hand right now if I can't kill him. Let me go ahead and attack him just regularly, see if he does anything to see if I can generate an, enough damage to kill him the next turn. While that's not something I like to do, I usually like to try to kill the opponent as fast as I can, but sometimes it's just not worth you know, wasting your hand to do 14 damage when they're at 15 because they could next turn wipe your whole board and you're just stuck not able to do that one point of damage. You know, you may top a lightning bolt, but it may never get there. So... Like I said, especially during FNM and when you're practicing during the week, don't get caught up on the wins and losses and just focus on making the best plays you possibly can. And if you do lose, which, you know, will happen a lot, try to understand why you lost. Was it because you did this line of play or that line of play? Or maybe you should have blocked when you attacked, you know, or you should have done uh, I don't know a different thing or was it just you know pure bad luck and bad luck happens you know it's it's just the way of the game so those were just some of the things I want to bring up in today's episode about leveling up your game and magic yeah this has been a shorter episode 
and it was just something I wanted to bring up. And I've talked similar about it in the past, but I feel like, hey, it's a good refresher for people. Um, you know, I may do other episodes like this in the future. And yeah, so that is the end of the episode here. Let me just give another little shout out to some of my sponsors. Um, you know, I'm featured on legitmtg.com where you can get some singles, you know, magic singles, and they have some awesome written content. There's Horizon Data Assist, makers of Rollback RX. And, you know, I'll, like I said, I'll tweet out the link for them. And I just want to welcome again the, my newest sponsor, fivecolorcombo.com. They have that really awesome drafting app. You know, if you're trying to get into limited or you just love limited or you want to draft you know anywhere just download that program it's really cool and they also have a lot of cool tokens and play mats and accessories that you can buy as well on fivecolorcombo.com so you can also email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com if you have any questions don't be afraid to ask um we're also on facebook facebook.com slash magic and we are on Twitter at Magic Wazubi. All right. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and have a great night. So even though this is after the um, the final song and everything, and while I was doing some post editing and uh, post editing production, I don't know whatever the hell you would call it. And if you are listening to this right now, you get a little special feature because you know every once in a while I do like to have some episodes where it has some craziness after the end of the episode. I had that one episode where I was singing, "Oh yeah, boom, shaka laka laka laka," and. This time, so I have the episode talking about leveling up in magic, and you know what this episode was missing? It was missing this song right here. <laughs>